0: Good afternoon. Certainly good to see everyone back today for our evening worship. I uh, can sympathize with Joel um, in this afternoon worship after everyone's had a big lunch, wonderful dessert and all that kind of thing, to want to nod off. I'm relying on you to keep me awake. And I will make a deal and I'll hopefully help you as well. We're thankful that we have this opportunity, thankful for your presence. As usual, we have visitors among us, and we're thankful for you. I want you to know that you're our wonderful guest, and we invite you back any time that you have. We, um, as we made mention of this morning uh, in our lesson, does God really mean what he says? We want to follow that up this afternoon because we answered that. I, I hope that you answered that in the affirmative, that yes, God does mean what he says, and we looked at some of those Old Testament examples concerning Adam and Eve and Nadab and Abihu and, and uh, Naaman. And we could go on and on with that. But uh, we, we should recognize and know assuredly that God does mean what he says. You know, our, our eternal destiny uh, will be determined by the preparation we are making today in this life. Familiar passage to many of us, John chapter 12 and verse 48. Jesus gives us. The key, he gives us the knowledge, the information of how or what we'll be judged by in the last day. Jesus said in John 12:48, the words that I have spoken will judge us in the last day. I don't know about you, but when we were in school, we always loved to hear that our test was going to be open book. That sounds good on the surface, but you realize that many of, the, of our teachers, when it was an open book, didn't make it any easier. They made it harder. They wanted you to search and, and diligently find and determine the answers. You know, oftentimes that's the way it is, isn't it? We know what we're going to be judged by. We know what's what going to be on the test, but we oftentimes have trouble with that information sometimes and, and, and getting ourselves to understand. You know, I'm glad God means what He says. You know, much, as we made mention this morning, much in this world is not or doesn't mean what they say oftentimes. Not a whole lot you can count on as being sure in this world. You know, coming out of this pandemic, one thing that we've noticed and Shannon and I observed and talk about from time to time, you know, if you decide you're gonna go out to eat somewhere, you can't count on that place being open. You can't count on that place being uh, there with enough help to, to cook your food or to serve your food and those sorts of things. And I'm telling you, many occasions we've gone and they've been, you know, it's been dark. But such is the world we live in, isn't it? This world is not made for us to uh, take hold of and to set anchors and, and to uh, all those sorts of things. As we sing sometimes, this world is not my home. I'm just a passing through. You know, we as Christians especially need to remember that. But back to our lesson as far as this this afternoon, the the lesson I've entitled really as a follow-up to this morning, I'm glad God means what he says. If you have your outline there, I'll be giving you some uh, uh, information to fill in those blanks maybe for your uh, study in your private time this week. I'm glad God means what he says. In the Old Testament book of Malachi, chapter 3 and verse 6 God says for I am the Lord I change not the Hebrew writer would tell us in Hebrews 6 and verse 18 that it's impossible for God to lie and Paul by inspiration would tell the Corinthian brethren in 1 Corinthians 14 and verse number 33 that God is not the author of confusion I'm glad about that I hope you are as well Again, in our world, in its fleeting nature, there's not a whole lot we can believe in. There's not a whole lot that we can
1: uh,
0: understand that it's always going to be that way. But, you know, we don't have to worry about that when it comes to God. And for that, I'm thankful. With faith as our foundation, Hebrews 11, verse 1, we don't have to guess. We don't have to wonder or hope that we're saved once we complete those acts of obedience as prescribed in the new testament in this lesson i want us to look at several areas of the christian life or benefits of christianity if you will wherein we should be glad god means what he says and i'll tell you this is not an all-inclusive list this is just some things that i thought of that i am personally glad about number one I'm glad God means what he says about Jesus Christ. If you have your Old Testaments, turn to the book of Isaiah, chapter 53, very familiar passage. We call Isaiah the Messianic prophet because he he wrote so much by inspiration about the Messiah, the coming Christ. He wrote, beginning in verse number 1, Who has believed our report, and to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? For he shall grow up before him as a tender plant, as a root out of dry ground. He has no form or comeliness, and when we see him, there is no beauty that we should desire him. He is despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And we hid, as it were, our faces from him. He was despised. We did not esteem him. Verse 4, Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows, yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement for our peace was upon him, and by his stripes we are healed. All we, like sheep, have gone astray. We've turned every one to his own way. And the Lord has laid upon him the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed, he was afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth. He was led as a sheep or a lamb to the slaughter, and the sheep before its shears is silent. So he opened not his mouth. He was taken from prison and from judgment. And who will declare his generation? For he was cut off from the land of the living. For the transgressions of my people he was stricken. And they made his grave with the wicked, but with the rich at his death, because he had done no violence, nor was any deceit found in his mouth. Yet it pleased the Lord to bruise him, put him to grief. When you make his soul an offering for sin, he shall see his seed, he shall prolong his days, and the pleasure of the Lord shall prosper in his hand. He shall see the labor of his soul and be satisfied. By his knowledge my righteous servant shall justify many, for he shall bear their iniquities. Therefore I will divide with him, portion with the great, and shall divide the spoil with the strong, because he poured out his soul unto death. He was numbered with the transgressors, and he bore the sin of many. And he made intercession for the transgressors. Who are those transgressors that Isaiah is writing about there? And you. Me and you. You know, there are over 330 prophecies in the Old Testament concerning Christ. Many written some 1,500 years before he was born. Each one fulfilled in the person of Jesus of Nazareth to the minute degree truth god's wrath was satisfied in the shedding of christ's blood on the cross in contrast to the world's religions we serve a risen savior you know all the religions the major religions we can name in this world all their quote-unquote leaders are dead and buried ours is alive and well seated at god's right hand he's our advocate with the father the propitiation or the atoning sacrifice for our sins, First John 2 and verse number 1. So I'm thankful that God meant what he said about Jesus Christ. Secondly, I'm glad that God meant what he said about forgiveness. About forgiveness. You know, forgiveness is one of those things that, you know, we really don't think about much until we need it. And then we think about it a lot, and we're so thankful and glad that it's available to us jeremiah chapter 31 jeremiah 31 verses 31 through 34 incidentally this same passage is repeated in hebrews 8 and in verse and hebrews 8 and in chapter 10 jeremiah 31 31 beginning behold the days are coming says the lord When I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel, the house of Judah, not according to the covenant that I made with their fathers in the day which I took them by the hand to lead them out of the land of Egypt, my covenant which they broke, though I was a husband to them, says the Lord. But this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days, says the Lord. I will put my law in their minds and I will write it on their hearts and I will be their God and they shall be my people. No more shall every man teach his neighbor and every man his brother, saying, Know the Lord, for they shall all know me, from the least to the greatest, says the Lord. Here's the key, for I will forgive their iniquity and their sin. I will remember no more. With the forgiveness of sins, we don't have to fear the wrath of God. You know, this morning we made use of the Old Testament, And we saw the wrath of God in some of those cases. Um, And we don't like that, do we? But we don't have to fear the wrath of God. Jesus' blood has obtained eternal redemption, Hebrews 9 and verse 12. You see, when we sin, we offend God's holiness. And his justice cries for death, Romans 6 and verse 23. However, his mercy would not allow him to punish us without a second chance. Therefore, his love provided a substitute to die in our stead, someone to satisfy his wrath, Jesus, who gave his life a ransom for many. Matthew 20, verse 28. Accordingly, when we're baptized to wash away our sins, Acts 22:16, we can live happily knowing that our sins are forgiven. We are no longer the children of wrath that Paul talks about in Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 3. You know, someone may say, I don't, forgive, I don't feel forgiven. Am I saved? How many of us have had that same thought? As Christians, we believe in God, and we believe in His grace, but at the same time, we cannot shake our feelings of guilt. Is that not sad? You see, there are some who feel forgiven, but in actuality, they're not. They have not done what God requires for forgiveness, and despite their feelings, they carry the guilt of their sins. At the same time, there are some of us who do not feel forgiven, even though that we are They've done what God has required for forgiveness, but cannot seem to forgive themselves and successfully forget about their mistakes of the past. With forgiveness, we should be the happiest people alive. We know condition, uh, forgiveness is conditional, but God has given us the condition, the terms of those things, and the ability that we can to uh, be obtain forgiveness. First John. Chapter 1, verses 7 through 10, familiar passage to us. John there says, if we walk in the light, as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from all sin. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say that we have not sinned, we make him a liar, and his word is not in us. God's word provides us the terms of forgiveness, and we need to live with the knowledge that we can be forgiven. For that, I am thankful. Point number three, I'm thankful that God meant what he said about salvation. Look at Romans chapter five. Romans chapter five, verse number six, beginning. Paul there, the inspired writer, says for when we were still without strength in due time christ died for the ungodly for scarcely for a righteous man will one die yet perhaps for a good man someone would even dare to die but god i love that phrase but god go back in your private study if you want something kind of fun to do go and find all the times where it says but god But god demonstrates his own love toward us and that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Much more then, having now been justified by his blood, we shall be saved from wrath through him. For if when we were enemies we were reconciled to God through the death of his son, much more, having been reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. Not only that, we also rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we now have received the reconciliation. I like that word reconciliation. I like the concept. Simply stated, it means make friends again. Our sin had made us the enemies of God, but through Jesus Christ, we can be friends again. Skip down to Romans chapter 6, verse 3. He says there, Do you not know that as many of us as were baptized into Christ were baptized into his death? Therefore we were buried with him through baptism into death just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father even so we should walk in newness of life Jesus said we can know the truth John 8:32 God's word his inspired word is preserved for us 2 Timothy 3:16 John 17:17 17, 17. God's word is truth God's promises concerning salvation. Listen to Jesus' words. Mark 16, 16. He that believes and is baptized shall be saved. Luke 13, verse 3. Except you repent, you shall all perish. Matthew 10, 32. If you confess me before men, I will confess you before my Father in heaven. John 3, verse 5. To that man that came to him by night, Nicodemus, he said you must be born of water and the spirit to enter the kingdom of God, signifying baptism as a necessity to our salvation. In Revelation 2 and verse 10, Jesus said we'll have a crown of life if you remain faithful. I'm glad God means what he says about Jesus Christ, about forgiveness, and about salvation. Finally, this afternoon, I'm glad that God means what he says about heaven. John 14, beginning in verse 1, a very familiar passage. Jesus there speaking to his disciples. I'm sure he he anticipated or noted trepidation in them. Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you and if I go, I will come again and receive you unto myself that where I am, there you may be also. First Peter chapter one, verses three and four. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who according to his abundant mercy has begotten us again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead to an inheritance incorruptible, undefiled, does not fade away, (coughs) reserved in heaven for you. Our internal inheritance is incorruptible. It can't decay. It's undefiled, which means it's isolated from the filth of this world. and It does not fade away and it's reserved in heaven. You know, Jesus said there in John 14, this is a place that is prepared. It's a p- place prepared for only those who prepare to go there. This afternoon, as you consider your life, are you making preparation? I hope that you are. If you're not, I can't think of a better time, better opportunity, better occasion to take care of that before this group of people that love you so much. If you need to become a Christian, doing the things the New Testament prescribes for you to be added to the Lord's church, now's the opportunity, perfect opportunity. We will be helping you any way that we can. could be that sin separates you from God. That's known publicly. It needs to be taken care of that way. We set aside this time to offer that opportunity to you. I'm going to sing a song. Don has announced, Love Lifted Me. If you are in need of the Lord's invitation, would you come as we stand as we sing?